right, here we are. Hey guys, thanks for popping in. This is episode one of Airtime on Sky Review. Crash runway one three, runway one seven, proceed straight out, air below three thousand, please take off. So the deal is Sky Review is the blog I created to express my Amusement, fascination, and fixation, <laughs> and uh, fanaticism with uh, the world of aviation, airplanes, flying, and all these things. So, um, now that's turned into this, which which actually this makes a lot of sense, and I'll explain why in just a sec. This, the auditory version of uh, whatever happens on Sky Review. So, Sky Review, Airtime, a podcast, episode one. Here we are. Thanks for joining me. All right, it's April 2020. I don't know how often I'm going to do these. I'm going to try to commit to do them responsibly and uh, with a, some sort of predictable frequency so you can um, not set your clock to it, but your circadian rhythms in some way. All right? <laughs> okay. Anyhow, it's April 2020 and we're self-quarantined. And that means different things to different people depending on where the people are geographically. And uh, shoot, uh, you know... <laughs> I mean, what state, uh, what your job description is, whether or not you're in a business that's, what do they call, essential or non-essential. <laughs> it's very interesting, uh, this time we find ourselves in. For crying out loud, I, I find myself uh, very fortunate here in this, this time period. Uh, things are okay for us, <laughs> my wife and I, right now. Um, I've, I've worked from home now. Um, I've always had side work that I did, and so now all the work, the side work, the middle work, and the other side, and the back side, and the upside, and all the sides are at home, uh, which is okay. We, we, you know, I've, I've worked for, uh, from home before, and my wife works from home already. She did already, and so now we're both here. We're, we're on opposite ends of the house. We don't get in each other's way. However, we do have to... Um, we not have to. We do get to have some nice conversations that we otherwise wouldn't normally have. We just wouldn't get around to it. It's actually working out quite nicely because we have had uh, run-ins with trying to work together before, like a lot of years ago, and uh, that's a special, unique thing. It's not everybody can do it. Not all personalities work right like that, and so we know what to do and what not to do. And this actually, so far, has been kind of nice. And then on the personal front, I mean, you kind of have to be a little bit clever because you're at home always. So, I mean, you know what I mean? In other words, when you switch, so I, I put on work clothes, like I'm going to go out and go to the, go to work. Even at lunch, like I, I've taken time at lunch to like service the mower and get it ready for when I get done at work. <laughs> you know, I can run out there and it's ready to go. I did that the other day. I switched, switched clothes, run out there, sharpen the blades and service the mower. And then, uh, Come in, clean up quickly, and switch back into my I'm at work clothes and go back to work. And that's actually been kind of nice to be able to do that. And, of course, then when I get done and need to start mowing, I wrap everything up and walk outside. No drive time, right? My drive time wasn't bad anyway, but uh, there are some upsides. I also have to say, people posting how bored they are or they just don't have anything to do, I have no idea what they're talking about. I could not... 
you know, if money were no issue and I didn't work professionally ever again, I would not get caught up. That's all I'm saying. But here we are, and let's get caught up together here. I have poured a couple of fingers of bourbon, uh, bullet bourbon, with a with a with some selective cubes of ice, and nothing more. Someone's texting me. Um, anyway, you hear the ice tinkling in the background here. Thank you to Tim in California for suggesting the bullet bourbon. I don't have it often, but when I do, it's a special thing. All right. So on the personal front, I've played. All of my record albums a hundred times in the last few weeks <laughs> while self-quarantining. I've done a little bit of flying, by the way. This is an aviation platform, uh, by the way. Aviation is the, uh, is the starting place for everything you'll hear on here and read on skyreview.us. However, it ventures, it ventures into other things that uh, we uh, human sapiens um, encounter in our regular lives, too. Anyway, I've done some flying. Uh, let's see. Early on when this this first started this whole uh, quarantine bit and it was sort of a mm, okay the suggestion of or its best practices if you uh, try to stay away a friend of mine had a, an airplane a couple hours away so maintenance was being done on it and it was ready to go and basically before they i think we could have gotten it anyhow but uh right before the city there decided okay we get we gotta we gotta have people uh, separate you know <laughs> self-distance um, the aircraft was ready to be picked up. And, and, of course, we had some weather challenges. And so finally the weather got good. And it was kind of the last day they were going to do the, you know, quarantine thing, if you will, at midnight. And so that at that afternoon, we were like, let's go. <laughs> so I got to fly him up there and get his airplane. It was a nice flight. Uh, that was, uh, I've flown since once solo. I am a president of a flying club, which have one airplane. And uh, 10 or 11 or 12 of us, depending on when you ask. Anyway, we got some best practices in place uh, to help stop the spread. We have disinfectant wipes in the airplane. You wipe down all the touchy parts. Uh, we encourage solo flights only. No licking or touching, but that's a normal thing in the bylaws. Don't lick the, <laughs> don't lick the airplane. At any rate, it's a bizarre time. And obviously, the health aspect is what it is, because you don't want to spread this to people who are vulnerable. And might not be able to bounce back from it, of course. And that's a responsibility we shoulder. Well, gosh, beyond that, even, the economic fallout from this whole bit is, uh, I don't know. It's beyond my ability to uh, really grasp it mentally. I, I tell you, it's going to be quite a, quite a thing. And, and, you know, the thing is I get up and, and, you know, every day and I get my list and I go to work doing the things I need to do as if everything were normal. And I got to say, I'm wildly fortunate to be okay right now. We are, my wife and I. Plenty of folks uh, were thrust immediately into personal financial chaos or will be at some point in your future or the distant future, I'm sure. Man, right now, just, you know, pretending like everything's going to be normal pretty soon. However, airtime on skyreview.us is not about all that. A little about flying, some more about flying things, aviation, nerdiness. Did I mention airplanes yet? <laughs> Just kidding. Where to start? I was kind of thinking about this and I'm like, well, let's start at the beginning. All right, thanks for uh, popping in here on skyreview.us. It's airtime, a podcast. 
This is episode one. We're starting at the beginning. My, uh, you know, I'll go back and get my, my parents flu story out here. My, my parents flew before I was born, just private flying, like kind of in the heyday of aviation. And they were a little bit involved at the airport when I was really small, but they had all pretty much all but ceased all aviation related things. Um, as I started to become conscious which I might add is much older than my wife became conscious. I don't know. She was aware of things at two or something. And uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't stop chewing on sticks and drooling till I was about nine. Not sure what that means. I think I know what it means. One of the things we did do, though, when I was a kid, we went to commemorative air shows. It was uh, Confederate Air Force back then, commemorative Air Force now. And, um, and because they had been into flying, my parents... There were magazines in places around the house and, and various aviation books. A lot of them were World War II aviation related, big hardback books, lots of, you know, <laughs> diagrams and data and pictures. And I was thoroughly enamored by that. And then going to commemorative air shows where some of these aircraft you'd see in person, you stick your head in, you smell the airplane, you hear the things fire up those engines, those radial engines. And the smoke and the popping and grunting and <laughs> coughing and and then the magnificence of a flyby or whatever you know that really sort of sealed the deal. Um, I remember too some visits, just regular visits to the airport and uh, the sights and sounds and you know just the people a little bit when I was real little. I didn't know it, but those things kind of planted a seed that would later explode with life. More about that in just a sec. All right, Sky Review, Airtime, a podcast, episode one. Thanks for popping in. Share the darn thing, unless you and they and everyone you know shares it. Okay. Now, life goes on, sans aviation, for me personally, and I became a radio broadcaster. And I got into production and writing commercials and ad campaigns and all that whatnot. Production and advertising became my focus. And that is what I have done professionally for a long time. Now, about 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, actually, I, was, I had done my radio show and I was uh, producing a guy who did a show after me. He was a Hall of Fame uh, broadcaster and he did a two-hour show after my show. He had lined up someone uh, from the Collings Foundation. And if you don't know who they are, you can Google them. They're on the internet. Anyhow, he'd uh, line somebody up from the Collings Foundation to talk about their upcoming um, arrival to the local airport. I had not been following aviation things, so I was not aware of that coming up. And so it kind of was a surprise to me. Now, I should say my wife and I had planned a road trip out of town starting that weekend. And... As I listened to, I believe it was Rob Collings, the the son of the Collings uh, fam, talk about uh, their B-24 and B-17 and uh, I think the Huey. And I thought, eh, they're going to bring three or four aircraft. Gosh, I've seen big commemorative air, fo- uh, <laughs> commemorative air show uh, displays multiple times and they're going to bring three or four aircraft. But then he said, you know, you can crawl on the aircraft, you pay a little bit of money, you crawl around on the aircraft, take a look inside, and, and then uh, you pay a little more money, you can actually fly on the airplane. Ooh, 
well, that's different. And then he goes, oh, and we have a surprise. We found out we're going to be able to bring the our uh, P-51 Mustang. I really didn't know about that. And it's funny. It had been 10 or, oh, shoot, probably 15 years since I'd really thought much about an airplane when he said that. And he said, and we'll be doing rides. <laughs> uh, switch flipped. Um, I kind of lost it. I don't know why, but it dawned on me that I needed to be somehow in that P-51 Mustang. Long story short, I did figure out a way to get in that P-51. And, uh, you know, it was kind of one of those, <laughs> a little bit out of, out of, um, out of body experiences because just getting to that point, because that was just a, such an iconic aircraft and it seemed like such a rare opportunity and a unique opportunity. Anyhow, I did it. I did the uh, 30 minute flight in their aircraft. We did a, a promotion with the uh, radio station and my show and the other guy's show and P 51, uh, C Betty Jane. It's got the dual, uh, cockpits. So uh, I got to take the stick for like 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, it, he did barrel rolls and loops and all that whatnot. Uh, thankfully, it turns out I'm not queasy. And I don't <laughs> I don't have a motion sickness problem. I didn't know. I'd never been upside down in an airplane. Mm-hmm. So that worked out. But anyway, after that, he goes, you want to fly some? And I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but okay. I have an idea. I watched uh, Black Sheep Squadron. <laughs> this is like a Corsair, right? 10 or 12 minutes. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. I mean, it just sent me over the moon. And uh, you can read about that, by the way, on skyreview.us. There's an account on there. It's t the article's titled. It's under articles, by the way. Skyreview.us. Anyway, the article's titled, Discovering Aviation Flying Lesson in the P-51 Mustang. You can also just search. There's a little search uh, icon there on the menu bar at the top. The pages, all the pages... You can actually just search P-51 or P-51, no dash, either one. That article will come up. Discovering Aviation Flying Lesson in the P-51 Mustang. If you want to read about that account, not a hugely long article, but it, it is, is an article specifically about, which, which that effectively was sort of my first flying lesson, which is absurd. It's absurd. I mean, I can't tell you how many pilots, licensed pilots, pilots with a lot of hours, way more than I. Oh, yeah, but... <laughs> I'll tell you about that in just a sec. Um, who, uh, when they find out I've been in a P-51, just look at me and shake their head and go, gosh, I always wanted to do that. Here's the thing. Um, I did have to pay some money. Uh, it turns out it was, you know, these things are about timing. And I uh, had sold a business in the course of having done that. I had some extra, extra cash available at that time. And it was a matter of timing. And it hit me so hard. I'm like, I'm going to spend some money doing this. Anyhow. You can check that out. Okay, so how did that lead to me becoming a pilot and this madness? And now me talking to you here in this context. Okay, let's get to that. All right, thanks for uh, popping in sky review airtime podcast episode one all right so i took the uh i was able to do the 30 minute ride the p51 mustang and i i was nuts it totally just really really screwed me up <laughs> i mean you talk about a thorough undoing yeah 
remember we did a promotion on the radio and there was a listener who would call occasionally and it turns out he was a retired southwest airlines pilot who lived nearby he had called before occasionally he was a big fan of uh, i forget what record it was a particular group he was a fan of so he'd call make a comment or say hey would you play so and so then we chat a little bit on the listener line then we get on with things i didn't think too much of it well after hearing all this hubbub about the p51 ride and then hearing that i did it and uh, how thoroughly enamored i was by having done it and uh, he calls on the listener line a little while after that uh, some days later and he goes hey uh, his name is jd and he says hey you know uh, if you like it that much you ought to get your license pilot license now i'll i can still hear those words coming through the phone you know playback speaker on the console in the control room of the radio station and that sounded like the most outlandish thing. He may as well have said, you should go down and rob the bank. They got all the money you could possibly ever want. You can buy you seven or eight of those P-51s with the junk they got inside that B-A-N-K. Seriously, it sounded that absurd. But isn't that it? Is, it? You know, aviation is this weird underground world. I didn't know. I didn't know. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And there I am. It sounds absurd. So I go on with things and it, it was a little while later, he, he calls up and he says, Hey, uh, I take a group up to the uh, Southwest airlines training facility once a year. Uh, several of us, gosh, I think there may have been eight or 10 of us, 12 anyway. And, uh, we, we do a Saturday in the, uh, in the simulators. It's the same simulators they train the air, uh, airline pilots in. We had a guy that can't go. Do you want to go? Are you interested? I thought, wow, that's. That's outrageous. You know, this is a whole world I have no knowledge of, no familiarity with at all. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go. And I did. And, of course, <laughs> the thing is, the propaganda got deeper and more uh, frequent and more serious, you know, on that trip. Because I'm around other people, different walks of life. Very little commonality between the people in this group who've gone to this um, simulator thing other than the fact that they're interested in aviation. And I think probably all of them were pilots. I mean, all age groups, genders, wildly varied. And he goes, well, you know, uh, should get your license again. You know, he's telling me we're standing there outside. We're on the catwalk by the simulator. You know, it started to sink in, you know, it was good propaganda. It's very effective. After that, you know, it started to grow legs. It took me about another year to finally get off my butt turns out I left that job and I had sold, so it was, you know, I had sold that other business. And so I left that job and I, I started doing some other work and it, it was work where I was, um, I was working for myself and I had a lot of extra time. I could work my schedule. I didn't have a lot of extra time. I had, I could, I could arrange my schedule where I had some time during the week, during the waking hours of the, of the day, of the weekdays. And, uh, I'm sitting there one day at the house thinking about it. I thought, you know what? Um, you know, I could take this opportunity to get that pilot license. It's a great opportunity to do that. And who knows what's going to be in store down the road in our lives. And I might not have this opportunity again, or if I do for a long time. And, uh, we talked it over and, uh, lo and behold, I go out to the airport and I say, okay, I want to learn to fly. What do I do? And they showed me the rental aircraft and gave me a list of instructors and said, uh, here's what you do. And as they say, the rest is history. 
But in a moment, I'll tell you what really happened. All right, we're back. Sky Review, Airtime, a podcast. I did get my pilot license, and about a year later, I started on my instrument rating. I've been flying for several years now. Uh, since then, I've got my commercial license. I'm actually working on my CFI now, my flight instructor certificate, and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty committed to it, and uh, and by it, I mean aviation and learning and continued learning and digging and delving and perfecting my uh, skills and keeping the rust off and all that bit. Um, but, but now that's all that stuff that's, you know, you can write down on a, on a list, but what really happened when I got my private pilot license and beyond, particularly the private pilot license, what really happened was more about something intrapersonal and this doesn't get talked about much. And I'll tell you who, I'll tell you who pricks this is Sean D. Tucker. <laughs> Can't we just end the podcast there? <laughs> you just drop Sean D. Tucker's name and then you can walk away, right? That's like the dirty, hairy, you know, the most powerful handgun in the world. It's, you know, in aviation, it's like Sean D. Tucker on the line. I don't actually, I should. It's his passion, but he says something and, and it's so absolutely true. And it's the thing that really set me on fire was how much in aviation and flying and being a pilot and the responsibility, all of it is analogous to life. He says that a lot. Sean D. Tucker says that a lot. And uh, I was having that experience, aware of it and trying to write about it and intend to write about it more and talk about it here. But uh, man, it's really exciting to see him talk about it with such passion because he's got a lot of fire and he's a great ambassador for aviation. It's fantastic. Deal is me getting my private pilot license was life changing. I know that sounds cliche, but thing is it was a huge confidence builder. I got to say my instructor was incredibly patient. I know that because I'm a little dumb. <laughs> Seriously. My, my, for my private pilot instructor was for, and I won't go into this here. This is not the forum for that, but given my life experience uh, growing up, he was the perfect human being to be my private pilot instructor. Um, he healed some wounds um, subsequently. He didn't know that, but I, I don't suppose he did. Beyond that, uh, it also was a connection to a whole new world and a new industry, different people speaking a different language, talking about completely different things. And again, as I mentioned before, I alluded to, it's an underground world. People don't know. It's this hidden community. And it is. It's funny to me, too, because I come from uh, broadcasting and advertising and aviation is terrible at promoting itself. General aviation is terrible at promoting itself to the outside world of people. People on the outside, they got no idea. They got no idea. One of the funniest things that happened, uh, well, the company I work for, uh, she's not there anymore, but there was a lady there. She was working with the entity of the company that does live events. And they had these um, obstacle course things. They would do that in different markets around the country with our company. And, and she said, why, well, you know, where could we have that here? What about that part of the airport here that doesn't, that's not used like that empty part of the airport over there. And what she meant was the general aviation part of the airport. The only part she knew of as the airport was the passenger terminal, which is way over on the other side of the airport. 
where there is nothing else except the passenger terminal, ingress, egress. And yeah, she was referring to the part of the airport that was the businesses and the FBOs and all that bit, different stuff that makes up general aviation on the airport. And so I pulled up an aerial and showed her, hey, see all this ringing around this side of the airport where there's nothing? That's all not nothing. That's called general aviation. And it turns out they couldn't have their obstacle course there. There wasn't enough blank space. Hallelujah. Point is, people don't know. All right. And, you know, for me, although I like, love airplanes of all kinds, I am eternally intrigued by people and psychology and my own internal struggle journey. And that's a constant work pinned to the desk. My flight simulator stuff. Yeah. So I, the yoke is a little bit in the way when I'm doing this. So I'm leaning forward a little bit. So it's the, it's the yoke or the uh, throttle quadrant that's in the way. That's actually what I'm banging. Just so you know. Anyway, point is aviation analogous to life. It's undeniable. And I found that aspect to be terrifically distracting and wonderful and intriguing. I mean, low hanging fruit. When you take off in an airplane, you're obligated to perform a landing. It's not optional. So it begs confidence. Confidence is imperative, not helpful, required. So many things conceptually require confidence in life. In aviation, you miss that, you wind up on the news at best. Maybe you write your final sentence at worst. Furthermore, not only are certain intrapersonal things that I've mentioned before required, but you must put your entire person your mind, your body, your, your favorite shirt, if you're wearing it that day, into the scenario of aviation when you're doing it and fully commit. How is that not analogous to life? So for me, learning to fly was very much an interpersonal crossing the Rubicon, if you will. The die was cast. I was irrevocably changed. That's just how it is. All right, welcome back. Sky Review, airtime. All right, what to expect on this thing? This is episode one, so you only have one scientific data point to work with here. I'll tell you what, I hope to speak with some other people. It won't always just be talking out of my thinking parts. I hope to speak with some other people with whom I've become acquainted in aviation and otherwise. People smarter than I, people with specific, perhaps unique areas of insight, expertise, and or fanaticism. I uh, will probably not be discussing whether power or pitch controls altitude or airspeed. That's argued about a lot for crying out loud. It depends on the context. Stop arguing about it. Not probably going to get into that. Um, something else I probably won't do. Um, what makes a wing fly? Yeah, I know. Bernoulli, was a pedantic moron. Turns out that has nothing to do with how a wing flies. And if he were here, we would go out and uh, burn him at the stake. I'm just kidding. Uh, what does make a wing fly? I'll, let me just handle that. Uh, it, it's, it's, you melt down one really premium candy apple. You add a tincture of rose water and a reading of any passage from Stick and Rudder, the book. Wolfgang Langewäscher. Die Fliege das Flugzeug ach in der Himmel. Ich spreche ein bisschen Deutsch. Anyway, do those things and the wing will surely fly. There. Now that argument has been settled at infinitum. 
thank me later. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here. It's been a little while. Everything will emanate from skyreview.us. I know it's not a .com or a .org. The bark surely has now begun peeling from the trees. The sky is on fire and birds will now be able to poop on you with precision of wasp GPS accuracy. So don't go outside. Yeah, skyreview.us. I don't know. I did it. It's been several years ago. That's just how it is. Anyway, skyreview.us. Read things, comment, do not be a roaring ass. Be nice. After all, it turns out uh, aviation is about people. Right? Experiences. And uh, isn't that cool? Oh, yeah. Join the mailing list. Uh, you'll get notified in your email when I do new things on the site. It's okay. Nobody checks their email, so you'll never see them. So it really won't bother you. Huzzah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks for dropping in. Seriously, I am terrifically humbled that you are here. And those aren't just some words I'm saying. They're just the only way I can uh, get the information to you right now is to stick words together that mean things. And I mean them. Arrow four five Tango outside Indu, two and a half miles on the ILS one three full stop. Wind one three zero four, runway one three, I land. Sky Review Airtime, a podcast. Get more at skyreview.us.